Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Crossing Roads. This year, we have seen a huge increase in fraud taking place, with third of all Brits reporting an increase of scam calls and texts since the beginning of March. Recent research from Lloyds Bank have found that men are most confident they can spot a sign of a scam. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. However, now this is important, a quarter share too much information on social media and a third have no idea who sees their posts. Just think about that. How much information are we sharing online? As someone who fits the bill to a T, I'm on social media, I overshare, I'm overconfident, <laughs> and I feel that I can spot scams a mile off. However, today, I'm gonna to be showing otherwise, I feel. Uh, I have got an incredible guest, Paul Davis, and he is the Retail Forward Director at Lloyds Bank. And I've asked him to join me on the podcast today to really raise awareness of fraud and how we're sharing our private information. It's such a topic that we all need to know, especially at this point in time, for sure, when more of us are online. So welcome, Paul. All right. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So who are you and uh, what do you do? Yeah, thanks, Carl. So I'm Paul Davis. I'm the Retail Fraud Prevention Director at Lloyd's Bank. So it's my job at the bank to keep all of our customers' money safe and secure and protect them from falling victim uh, to these life-changing scams. Can you give me and my listeners an insight into the common mistakes that people make when publishing information online? And how do these con artists or fraudsters or scammers, whatever we're calling them, use this information against us? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's such an important topic. And um, social media is such a big part of our lives now, isn't it? I mean, we, we all use various uh, social media services all the time to communicate with our friends, to share photos, experiences, and so on. And I think for a lot of people, it'd be hard to imagine uh, life without it. But I think, you know, just as it's important to all of us, it's an absolute treasure trove of information to fraudsters as well. And they use it as one of their key methods to, uh, to help them perpetrate their scams. And you might be wondering, uh, you know, why, why is that the case? And how do they use it? And I think what's true nowadays is, if you want to be a fraudster, um, it's quite hard. You know, you've got to have quite sophisticated methods if you want to trick someone into sending money. And um, whereas in the olden times, uh, a criminal might just rob a bank, it's more difficult these days. And the scams that tend to happen often start off small and then grow and grow over time as they build up the trust uh, with whoever they've chosen as their victim. And it's those early stages where social media can, can be um, really useful to a fraudster because they can get all sorts of personal information about you, uh, pretend they know you, pretend that they're calling from a particular organization armed with that information. And um, that could be the, the thing that, that makes you think they're, a gen they're genuine, they're calling from a genuine organization. And so it's, it's not going to cause you to be a fraud victim in itself, but forces are using it at the start of their scams in order to, to get your trust. So first off, we're, we're dealing with highly intelligent people here. Yeah, that's such an important point. These are skilled criminals. It's their job. Uh, they're very well organized. And you're right, they've got, um, they, they know all the tricks of the trade to um, get information about all of us and, uh, and use it to, to gain our trust. So we publish our information on social media, like we geotag, we tag our pets etc etc whatever do they use that information to build their own social profile or their own social media criminal profile on us yeah that's more or less it carl you, you've got it right i mean just just before i um started talking to you i got one of those scam calls myself from a fraudster pretending to be from my bank 
in, in that case. And I would imagine before they made that call, uh, they were uh, just seeing what information they had about me so as to make that call as believable as possible. Because it's not enough, is it, just to ring up and say, you know, hello, I'm calling from your bank. Because because I think most people would, wouldn't fall for a scam that was that simple. But if they had other information that they'd gleaned from our, from our online profiles or, or whatever, uh, all of a sudden it becomes quite a convincing call. So these forces work really hard. It's their job. They do this for a living. And they're willing to put the effort in to try and get to know us before they reach out to make their scams as successful as possible. The information we do provide on social media is such personal information as well. It's information right. that realistically only your best friends and family should know about. So how do we go yeah. about protecting ourselves? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I'd say. And I think the key thing is that I don't want to scare any of your listeners. Um, I mean, I think I've um, probably said a few things already that, that, are, that are quite scary. But I think the advice that, that I'd offer anyone is actually relatively simple. So I think if, if, if everyone kind of you know sticks to some to some basic rules, I think we can all we can all use social media very safely. First thing I'd say is think really carefully about what you post in the first place. Um, you know, it's great to be able to uh, tag where you are, talk about birthdays, family members, chat with friends. But it's worth just bearing in mind who's reading that profile before you post. The second thing I'd think about is think really carefully about your privacy settings and who you actually want to um, read uh, what you're posting on social media. And, and all these social media platforms offer, uh, you know, a fair degree of uh, flexibility around whether what you're posting is visible by everybody um, or just those that you're connected to. And I'd, I'd recommend that anybody, um, you know, spends most of the time on social media um, interacting just in their own private networks with friends and family, uh, which are clearly uh, much safer. And then the third thing I'd say is when you are contacted by any organization, whether it's by phone uh, by text message or email, have a degree of skepticism around whether it really is uh, that genuine organization uh, reaching out and think about how you respond. So if that organization is uh, is asking you to move money um, or to click on a link and enter your um, login details for a service, then they should be warning signs that maybe it isn't the genuine organization um, at all. And I think any genuine organization wouldn't mind if you hung up a call and rang them back on a number that you know to be true. And I think that's a great way to um, be sure that who you're talking to is genuine. So I'm definitely not coming here with a message to say, you know, stop using social media, it's too dangerous. But it's just about thinking how we use it and uh, limiting as much as possible uh, the information that's available to literally the whole world. So Paul, what are the telltale signs to spot a scam? Yeah, great, great question. And I think um, there's lots of different scams uh, that are out there. and there's a, there's a risk that I could um, you know, talk all day actually on this topic if I were to try and cover all of them. But if I just think about the, the key principles, the first thing I'd say is look out for things that happen out of the blue. I mean, most scams start with some sort of phone call, text or email. And they'll probably be pretending to come from a genuine organization, such as your bank, uh, maybe um, an energy provider like a utility company. And it's those out of the blue contacts that I think uh, I'd encourage all of your listeners to have a degree of skepticism around and don't necessarily believe that just because it's claiming to come from that organization uh, that it really is. Um, and in fact, most genuine organizations don't contact you entirely out of the blue and certainly won't mind um, if you ask to call them back on a number that you know to be true. So that's the, that's the first thing I'd say. Um, I think there's also lots of scams out there in relation to shopping online, um, lots of deals to be had, whether it's 
investments and cryptocurrency or whatever or buying goods we see lots of our customers falling victim to scams and they're trying to buy things like um, trainers hot tubs pets and so on online lots of deals out there particularly with us um, being housebound at the moment often and um, having to to shop online rather than in shops and um, there I would look out for merchants that for whatever reason don't want you to pay by card Um, and if you're shopping online paying by card is by far and away the safest way to do it. It gives you a huge amount of protection. And actually to the extent that anyone who wants you to pay by a different method, such as a direct bank transfer, there's a pretty big red flag to me that that person is probably not selling what they claim to be selling. And if I, if I were anyone, I would I would end that conversation right then and go and look for a different online merchant who's, who's got the thing you want to buy um, and will accept a card payment. So that'd be the two, uh, the two big things. Um, and Lou, I think in terms of advice to anyone, in addition to what I've just said, is a great thing to do in this, these moments is to talk to friends and family about what you're doing. Because in the heat of the moment, when you're trying to buy something or you're thinking about an investment or you've just had a strange call, you can often be wrapped up in the urgency of the matter. But actually taking a few moments to stop and talk to others, talk to friends and family can give you some sound advice from other people as to whether it's actually a good idea to proceed with that or not. And that's that's part of the campaign that we're working on now as uh, as Lloyds Bank to encourage people to talk more openly with friends and family about these things. So why is it so important to talk about this subject to, with family and friends? It is such an important point. And, and actually, the campaign that we're running at Lloyds Bank uh, is encouraging uh, more families and people to talk about money and about scams in general. And I think there's two things it can do for me. Uh, one of them is, I think it's a great way of Stopping yourself from falling victim in the first place. A lot of these scams are preying on your emotions. Um, they make you um, try and do things very quickly. Um, and to try and almost disconnect your rational brain from almost an emotional response to a situation. Uh, unfortunately, they're really skilled at getting us to, to do that. And I think actually one of the best things that you can do to get good advice in the moment is to talk more, to talk to friends and family about what's going on. The phone call you've just had, the thing you're trying to buy online and that person uh, because they're not involved in the situation will probably be able to give you some really good advice uh, to not fall victim the second thing then is almost about breaking down this taboo that if you do fall victim to a scam the best thing you can do is be open about that uh, as early as possible by talking to friends and family and and i really don't think any of us should feel embarrassed about doing that or or feel that there's any shame in being uh, a victim of fraud it can happen to anybody at any time and um you know i've seen cases across my desk at work where victims of fraud have not done that and they've gone on to lose more and more and more money and opportunities were missed early on perhaps just to talk to friends and family admit what was happening and that could have stopped it when yes you know they paid away some money but much much less than they ultimately went on to do um so it's that breaking down the taboo as well i think and getting people to be open about things and not feel like there's any sense of shame in perhaps having been tricked once or twice. Camille, Paul, for me, that really hits home because I feel that guys in particular, and we are talking about men on this podcast because they're a little bit more confident in thinking they can spot a scam. They may not be, uh, but the statistics have shown that. But, you know, talking to friends and family is something that I feel that guys struggle with anyway. You know, even if we go back to sort of mental health um, discussions it's hard to just open up and talk about things and I think this is another 
subject that we need to put in that category for guys to open up and talk about with friends and family. It is so, so important. I'm glad you mentioned it because I always like to speak about mental health in these podcasts and I feel that it is something we need to talk about more. I want to ask you where Lloyds Bank come into this. You know, what do you offer your customers in a way of educating people and what do you do to help if they've been scammed out of any money? I'm glad you asked that. So, I mean, preventing our customers falling victim to scams is a top priority for us. And we're investing millions every year in, in it. And it's um, on things such as education campaigns, um, taking part in podcasts like this, which, which is great to, to assist um, in that respect. We also spend millions of pounds on our systems. And they, they're on the lookout um, 24 hours a day for any payments which might appear to be unusual or out of character for a particular customer. When we see ones that are, then we'll pause them while we um, take steps to, to try and talk to, to the customer who's making them. And those systems, you know, they're getting more sophisticated all the time using the latest technology like machine learning um, as, as fraudsters themselves get more sophisticated. But I guess the thing is that um, we can't do this on our own. It's got to be a joint effort uh, between banks, telecommunications companies and, and consumers themselves. And actually, there's no kind of single silver bullet that we can fire to stop this problem. And it's going to have to be done through all of us um, taking steps to, for the scams not to happen in the first place. That actually leads on nicely, Paul, to my next question, uh, where if we did get a, we have spotted a potential scam, uh, whether it's a text or an email, etc., what do we then do about that? Do we just delete the email or is there some kind of body or guidance where you can submit to say, look, I've been potentially on the end of a scam. Can you check it out? Yeah, great, great question. So the single best thing we could all do is just ignore and delete it. Um, and actually, if that was the only thing that your listeners remembered from uh, listening to this podcast, then that, that would be great for me. And then I think separately, um, different organizations then have uh, different um means by which you can report these things there's not kind of one one big one uh, for everybody uh, in the country to send their um to send the, the email or the sms onto for example lloyd's bank has uh email and lloyd's bank has an email address that our customers can uh, forward spoof emails onto and i know that telecommunications companies like bt um and mobile phone networks offer something similar and if, if people are aware of them that's great and definitely encourage anyone to use them um, but like I say, I think the single most simple thing that I'd encourage everybody to remember is, is that simple thing of ignore it, delete it, uh, and then that's the best way to keep yourself safe. I've always found as well that if it is a legitimate email, a legitimate way of communication or, you know, a company that actually needs to get in touch with you, I found that I, I receive a letter for the post or they would try and contact me again or there would be other ways, more official ways, that they would try and contact you. You're dead right. I mean, yesterday I had an email from my um, electricity and gas provider asking me to give meter readings, mm. and it had a link where I could click on the link and, and do it. Now, I'm, I'm a sceptical person. I'm not going to click on that link because I don't really trust them. So I went, to the, I went to their website, I logged in, and then straight away there was a button I could click to submit my meter readings. So they made it so easy for me to do that via their website. And I think all genuine organizations will do that so that actually they might put the hyperlink in the genuine emails to make it simple. But it's all it's also really simple to do the same thing via their website or their phone line. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to access the service via that method so they know it's genuine rather than clicking on the link. I love that Lloyd's Bank have done this social 
experiment uh, recently with Johnny's Chop Shop Barbers. Um, and I was kindly invited over and I was a part of it. And it was a really interesting campaign because it gave me an insight of exactly what I was sharing online. And actually, it was completely educational, but also a little bit scary at the same time. Sometimes we need that shock factor. And I feel personally, that's what I got. Can you talk a bit more about that? And what were the results of the experiment? I'm not going to embarrass you, Carl, by um, by you falling through it as well. But it was just a, it was a, in effect a light-hearted way to make a really important point. You know, we're trying to talk here about how a lot of us overshare on social media and the types of information that can be um, extracted. And I think actually, any, if anyone had been sat in that barber shop chair, the, the barber would have had something on all of us uh, because of um, the types of things we share on social media. So as you say, it was um, you know we got people in. Um, thinking they were getting a, a haircut, uh, but actually what they were going to get was a really personal conversation um, with the barber, um, <laughs> highlighting you know the information that that we'd obtained just by simply looking at, at social media data on on those people getting the haircuts. We focused it on men, not because men kind of fall victim more often or, or whatever, but we found in our research that men are much more overconfident about their ability to not fall victim to a scam than women and um blimey i don't really know why this is carl but there's obviously something something about us and i think what we find most of the time is that that increased confidence is actually misplaced you've got 81 percent of people overall thinking they can stop uh, spot a sign of a scam and that's actually 85 percent for men so most men think they can spot the signs of a scam but i do wonder in reality if really we could particularly when we found that one in 10 hadn't even heard of the most common, you know, hadn't heard at all of the most common types of scams out there. So I think um, that, that's the, that was the background to the exercise. We produced a video that's on social media, uh, which um, sort of highlights the risks. It's great fun to watch. It's got yourself in it, Carl. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'd encourage anyone to look at that and think about what they can learn about it and take from it in terms of what they share and their privacy settings on social media. But just quickly, as you mentioned it, I will be putting all the links below to the videos and also right. especially the um, Lloyds Bank help and guidance section in forward. So I just want to mention that there right. as uh, Paul touched on it. Are the scammers more enabled now than ever because we're in a pandemic? We're all on our phones. We're on computers a lot more. Has a pandemic become a fertile soil for these third parties to harvest and thrive? The answer is that it's kind of true in that what I've found in, um, in doing my role and my job is uh, fraudsters will leap on whatever the most topical issue is right now in order to make their scams more believable. And we've seen scams relating to the Olympics. Uh, we see scams relating to Christmas or elections, things like this. Um, and the pandemic has been them doing that in spades, quite honestly. And I think the thing about the pandemic is not just that it's all over the news, but that it increases our sense of anxiety quite often because it you know it's a lot of worrying time for a lot of people and it's a time when a lot of us are at home and we've got different daily routines to what we had before and the forces know that as well and so those things combined i think mean it's really fertile ground as you say to draw your analogy uh, for these crooks and i think we all need to be really aware that they're working harder than ever to try and steal our cash um, and they've got lots of um, things like fake um, protective equipment to sell online. They're trying to push investment opportunities at us as we all try and make some more money, perhaps to offset earnings that, that we're missing out on um, due, due to the pandemic. 
And um, they all know that we're sat there at home on our, on our phones in the evenings when previously we might have been out at the cinema with friends or family or whatever. And so they're tempting us with investment opportunities. They're bombarding us with scam calls because they know we're at home and, and they know that we're um, perhaps take the call. So, so yes, unfortunately, the pandemic has seen a real shift in how forces are operating. And now it's more important than ever that we're all aware of the, uh, the risks. And actually, again, come back to the same point, talking to each other about what's happening in our lives. Uh, because if talking to friends and family is a great way to stop, to spot scams and to stop them happening. Then, and, we're, and we're, more of us are at home on our own. We've got to go out of our way, haven't we, to, to get that guidance from friends and so on to, to not fall victim. They are working harder than ever, like you said, but the likes of Lloyd's Bank are also working harder than ever to put a stop as much as possible to this and just give guidance. And that's what I love about having you on this podcast. Great. As a call to action and to summarise, what can we all be doing today to help us fight forward and why is it so important? The first one is be really thoughtful about what you're posting on social media and who, who you're posting it to, your privacy settings. And secondly, a really key thing is to let's all talk openly to our friends and family about our money about the things we're trying to buy online about the things we're investing in or the phone calls we've had and i think that's where you get some great advice from people who are slightly separate from that situation to give you advice on not falling victim to a scam and on that note paul thank you so much for joining us on coffee and crossing Most podcast because it is such a topic that we all need to gain more information on and guidance and especially people who post a lot of information on social media. So thank you so much, Paul. It's been informative and it's been great to have you on. Great. Thanks, Carl. It's great talking to you.